Hi, and welcome to Long Takes, a podcast that examines controversial issues and hot-button topics in film and TV. I'm Aaron Whitney, senior editor at Screen Crush, coming to you from New York City. And I'm Britt Hayes, associate editor at Screen Crush, coming to you from Austin, Texas. On this week's episode, we're discussing a troubling development over at SNL. Um, they recently placed writer Katie Rich on indefinite suspension for tweeting a joke about Baron Trump, who is Donald Trump's youngest son. I believe so. Um, yeah, he's the the little one. Ten-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it, Katie Rich's tweet, in case you missed it, said, Barron will be this country's first homeschool shooter. Not exactly the best idea. I mean, you can yeah. see where the joke is, is more about that he's a homeschooled kid mm-hmm. um, and he comes from a crazy family. That's really the point of the joke. I mean... A little insensitive, but I get it. So the tweet was up for about three hours, and it was taken down. Later, Rich apologized, saying, I sincerely apologize for the insensitive tweet. I deeply regret my actions and offensive words. It was inexcusable, and I'm so sorry. Which was the right thing to do. But then she was put on indefinite suspension, or essentially fired, (laughs) um, for her tweet, which is kind of crazy right yeah i mean has this happened in recent years an indefinite suspension of a snl writer or um or or a performer for a tweet is that has this happened before for a tweet no i mean the last time i remember anyone getting fired really i mean aside from just like usual writer's room Mm shake-up stuff is like jenny slate was fired for saying the f word okay I mean, that's a that whole was, other ridiculous decision. <laughs> yeah, it, it was really stupid. Um, but for a tweet, I mean, it seems kind of like a bit of a ridiculous action, especially the fact that the tweet wasn't up that long and that she did make an apo- she did apologize right away, or at least within what a a relatively early time frame from the tweet, right? Yeah, I mean, it was, like, almost immediate, like, that they took, like, immediate action. And it really upset me, or at least annoyed me, because it's not as if... I mean, like, first of all, like, this is her own personal Twitter account. It's not representative of the views of SNL. Not that she even should have to say that, but, I mean, that's what it is. Um, But I guess my biggest problem is that Michael Chase still has a job. So Mm -hmm. that's really where we're... That's really the focus, I think, of our episode today, is that... Why is Katie Rich fired? A woman is fired from SNL for making a joke that many believed were was in poor taste. And that's like fine. Um, I'm not saying like whether or not I think like the tweet was funny. I think, you know, it was her joke. Um, right. And I think but- another thing is that a lot of people that criticized it use the tweet as sort of like an example of how all liberals are. And sort of use it to blame all Democrats and all liberals that we all have this sense of humor and that and I think a lot of it, it upset a lot of people because it's about a child and, you know, we should leave like children out of the conversation, especially younger children that like aren't, you know, working for Trump's business and actually, you know, involved in his presidential term, um, which like is understandable to to extent those arguments. But there, as we're about to discuss here, there are much worse things that SNL people have said that are more offensive to more people um, and more kind of vile than what this tweet said. Yeah, definitely. I 
just I don't <laughs> I guess I'm just like really baffled I'm just like you keep trying to figure out like doing like mental gymnastics as to like how this is okay while Michael Chase still has a job and so to sort of refresh memories or if you are kind of outside of the loop on this Michael Che has a history of saying sexist and awful offensive things on Facebook and Twitter and you know like that's his right like that's his right to do those things um, whether or not you agree with them. But I can argue that the things that he said were far more offensive and damaging than um, what Katie Rich said. And he has an entire history of it as opposed to like, oh, I made one bad joke one time and now I lost my job. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess we could just start with a couple years ago. You probably remember there was like that viral video that went around of the woman who filmed herself for like dozens of hours walking around New York City and getting catcalled. Right. Yeah. It shows what what all of the men say to her throughout. I think it's like a, a eight or a 10 hour walk through New York City. Yeah. Something really, incredibly long. And it's really difficult to watch. And I yeah, mean, because it starts out kind of like, you know, I mean, like familiar, like guys like catcalling or whatever. And, and it's like even as like a woman watching it, I kind of feel like. Yeah, I've been there. I can relate. But the longer you watch it, the longer it goes on, the more sort of insidious it becomes. Yeah. Like, it's the repetitive nature of it. And I think that's the point is to show that just like that kind of stuff can wear you down when it's repeated over and over and over again. So it was a really great video and it was like went crazy viral. Everyone was posting it. And Michael Che decided to chime in. Um And he posted this thing on Facebook, on his Facebook, saying, I want to apologize to all the women that I've harassed with statements like, hi, or have a nice day, or you're beautiful. I can't imagine what that must feel like. The closest thing I've experienced is maybe when a girl recognizes me from TV, and then they say things like, ah, oh my God, SNL, 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 take a picture, take a picture. I love you so much. What's your name again? Thank you. Thank you. Wait, say something funny. But even that is nothing like the harassment of having a complete stranger tell me to smile. (sighs) (laughs) Right? (laughs) I mean, it's really just such like a clear cut, like his problems as a famous man are so much worse than a woman being told to smile. I mean, it's really reductive. And his problems have nothing to do, at least, you know, based on the context of this post with his race or his gender. So he's yeah. literally just complaining about the fact that he's famous. <laughs> right. And, you know, he went on to apologize in a way that was really sarcastic. Just like, I'm so sorry. I mean, what did he say? Hold on. Let me try to find his apology for his non-apology. Oh, yeah. like his non-apology for his non-apology. Yeah. Oh, I want to apologize for my last apology. Sometimes I forget that I belong to all of you now and that any thought I should, any thought I have should be filtered through you and receive your approval. It's tough because I'm used to taking risks and finding humor in places of discomfort, but that's all over because I have a job on TV. And if I say the wrong thing, you'll see to it that it is taken away. So the next time I have a silly thought, I'll giggle to myself, keep my mouth shut and post a picture with my arm around a more famous person I met somewhere. <laughs> like the arrogance on him. Which is kind of surprising for someone of his... I mean, sure, he's famous, but, you know, he's just There's no an SNL guy. He's not that famous. No. Yeah. And and I really like the line, because I have a job on TV, and if I say the wrong thing, you'll see to it that it's taken away. But, like, how many times now? Like, we're about to get more into this. Like, he has said 
things worse than that initial Facebook post that he's not apologizing for. And he's kept his job and he's been called out for it. There have been essays written about this. When Mike Ryan wrote for us, he wrote an essay about this whole situation. Um, and Mike Ryan's been covering SNL for years. Uh, <laughs> yeah, these tweets, I, I didn't even know that there were this many. And I I'm, I'm, was looking over them earlier and it's just it's just disgusting. It's just baffling that they go on and on and on. I mean, I guess I could read a selection of them to refresh people's memories. Um, <laughs> but uh, here he has this one rant about um, catcalling, essentially. I'm not sure if this was, I think this was right around the time that he had that same rant. Um, he says, I swear the audacity of pretty women is unlike anything else. If you see a pretty girl walking down the street frowning, tell her to smile. That'll really piss her off. When a woman says something you disagree with, say you're pretty. She's going to hate that shit. And then he goes on and has something about Adele and and her comments about um, about her weight and how she's going to, you know, he says, just wait till you lose 50 pounds and you're on Weight Watchers to remind you how size and image doesn't matter. <sighs> Gosh, I mean, it's just so much ignorance. And yeah, it's, it's shocking to me that just because maybe this is on a Facebook page, it didn't catch fire as much as um, Katie Rich's tweet did, especially because that tweet came during, like, you know, the inauguration weekend, so there's obviously more attention on it, but it's just kind of ridiculous that SNL doesn't really pay attention to how all of their writers and performers um, use humor in, in personal ways. I mean, they are a reflection of the show. It's, it's the same way of, like, if you or I were to tweet something offensive, like, we're a reflection of Screen Crush, you know, for the, for the employer that we work for. And that they have a responsibility to, you know, keep us in check and respond to that. And the fact that they, at least to my knowledge, hadn't really said anything in response to Michael Che is is pretty ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, I'm Googling right now and I cannot find anything where, where Lord Michael's comments on this Michael Che thing. Um, I mean, he's just been, he just goes on like unchecked. And I'm not saying that like he, I mean, he has free speech. Like he can say whatever he wants. It doesn't right. mean that I or you or anyone has to agree with it. Lord Michaels doesn't have to endorse it, but he is endorsing it by refusing to comment on it or to reprimand him. I mean, I don't understand how making a bad joke about a kid is not as bad or, or like is, or somehow worse than making overtly misogynist comments. I mean, when you just look at the simple fact that it's like, okay, I made a bad joke about a kid in school shootings. Okay. Yeah. That's really messed up. This person made a joke several times, not just one. Yeah. Not even a joke. It's just a consistent sexist ideology that he perpetuates. Yeah. Like over and over and over again. And that's really dangerous. And that's okay. I mean, like the clear message that Lauren Michaels and SNL are sending to us is that like, it's okay to be a sexist douchebag and to spread like hatred of women, but it's not okay to make a joke about the president's kid. I mean, like I remember growing up in the nineties and there were so many jokes about Chelsea Clinton and her appearance. I mean, everywhere. Mm -hmm. I just don't, I mean, like, do I think that's okay? No, I don't think anyone should be joking about Chelsea Clinton. Like, yeah, we should probably leave Trump's kid out of it because he's like, he's a little boy. He has, he's not speaking for himself. He doesn't represent his dad. Um, you know, he's like innocent and in all this, but I just don't, I don't know. The correlation is really weird to me. And, and there's another, there was another tweet I found. So around the time that Michael Che went off about the, the cat calling video, 
a woman on Twitter says, sad that the same show that gave us Jan, Tina, Amy, Maya, and Kristen now makes us watch a misogynist ass like Che thinks, which is his Twitter handle. Major step back. Michael Che responds, I always thought it was impossible to judge a person's character by reading one comment, but you just proved me wrong. Hashtag dope. She responds, I've been a fan of yours and you mocked the fear hundreds of thousands of women feel on a daily basis. Michael Che responds, LOL, daily? Oh, gosh. <laughs> it's really bad. I mean, like, there is an argument to be made for, I, I definitely think, for, like, pushing boundaries in comedy and for mocking things that we take seriously um, because that's how you sort of get through pain is by, like, making light of it. Right. And, like, using that humor to comment on something, to further some sort of perspective or to sort of highlight something around an important issue even if it may be offensive I'm not saying that's okay but like humor could be used in that way and here this isn't even his his response to her tweet isn't even a sense of humor it's just sort of ignorance and him mocking her ability to to talk to him um and confront him about it you know what I mean like he, he isn't even willing to to listen to what she says and to to correct himself or apologize it just it just shows like a complete you know, uninterest in, in wanting to engage in a conversation around topics like this, whether or not he like understands or whether or not he agrees. Right. Yeah. I mean, and I think that there's a way to sort of like, I think that you can have that sort of persona and sort of like balk at the idea of having these like conversations because that's not like what you're interested in doing. And that's not like what your agenda is. Like, I get it. Like, I think that Donald Glover has done that sometimes where he won't really like talk about certain issues because that's not what he's here for. But this is different. It's like you are a comedian and a writer on a nationally syndicated talk or like sketch show. Um, and you host a news segment on there, like a satirical news segment on there. I mean, I don't know. It's like if you're like if you're willing to mock like serious issues in politics and, and elsewhere in your like weekly news thing then like, why can't you engage on this? Like, I don't know. And just like to mock, to mock like the idea that women struggle daily with like misogyny and he acts like it's like not real. He's like, LOL daily. Right. Like women don't experience any hardship. I don't know. It just it really infuriates me. Um, and again, so, I mean, like he hasn't, he's never been punished. Lord Michaels has never commented on the issue. Michael Che continues to have a job. Katie Rich does not. And has SNL released a sort of statement or was it just straight up she's been uh, indefinitely suspended? Because I don't, I don't remember seeing any sort of commentary on it beyond that. Um, because I'd really love to know, you know, why they decided to suspend her. If, if there was a conversation, you know, how they, how they expect their writers to handle commentary on Trump and politics. Like, it would just be really interesting to know what Lauren Michaels and SNL's perspective is um, on that. So mm -hmm. it'll be interesting to see how the show as a whole is, like, handling the Trump era now. Um, but this kind of makes me nervous that they're kind of immediately silencing someone who has, yes, an insensitive joke, but um, if you're going to silence them, you need to kind of explain why and what your perspective is. Yeah, I mean, SNL, as far as I can tell, has not yet commented. Um, a person familiar with the situation talked to Deadline, I, I guess anonymously, and said that she was suspended from the show immediately after her tweet. And the suspension is indefinite. And 
that Saturday's episode, she was not listed in the credits. Is there it's any just, sort of feeling that, like, I don't know, after all of the National Park stuff, I'm like, did, like, Trump call SNL and tell them to, like, fire her? Like, <laughs> This is so weird to me. This is also weird to me because, like, okay, let's, let's go back to last year when Trump hosts SNL. Mm-hmm. SNL actively participated just as much as Jimmy Fallon did in, like, normalizing this monster. Yes. Um, and at the time, I, I guess, was one of the people that, like, I didn't really like it. I found it all kind of like unnerving, but I, I didn't really think too much of it. Cause back then, you know, I didn't really think we were going to elect this guy. Right. It sort <laughs> so of felt was like, not as whatever. <laughs> um, but I mean, yeah, I mean like he, that, I think that might've actually been the last episode of SNL I reviewed for us because I just kind of like, I couldn't do it anymore. I mean like besides it's time consuming and takes up my Saturday nights, but I hated that episode. There was nothing funny about it, and I just didn't understand, like, why they were having him host. Like, he's so awful. Like, he's just a bad person. Um, And since then, SNL has brought in Alec Baldwin to do his Trump impression, and every week they make fun of Donald Trump. Um, He's not the first president they've made fun of on a nearly weekly basis. He might be the first one that they've made fun of so relentlessly. Um, but I mean, it's very clear that like, you know, the writers are like, you know, they're, they're making fun of Donald Trump as they should, because he's terrible. And, uh, I don't, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's hard to swallow. I mean, you know, the thing with like Kate McKinnon, she came out like after the election dressed as Hillary Clinton and she sang hallelujah and it got me all misty eyed. But at the same time, there was something really disingenuous about it, not not on Kate McKinnon's behalf. I believe 100% that what she did was like from her heart. But on behalf of SNL, like you guys kind of helped this guy get elected. You participated in this. Yeah, totally. And to, ha- to have the gall to turn around and act mournful about it. I mean, no, screw you guys. It's really hypocritical. Um, so their hypocrisy is well known. But yeah, I mean, like, and uh, Trump has been calling SNL out, like, regularly, talking about how it's a terrible show, and NBC is terrible, and it's just not funny, and it feels like we're getting, you know, watching the sort of things he's done in the short time that he's been president, it feels like we're sort of getting close to him maybe shutting SNL down, like, I don't know. I mean, God, I wouldn't be surprised. (laughs) I mean, I I think, for all the hypocrisy, I really hope that they sort of make an established firm stance going into this new half of the season. I mean, it'll be really interesting to see how they handle, I mean, an episode covering this last week alone is uh, would take up like six hours. I mean, there's just so much. Um, but then it's also interesting because it's like, how do you put everything that's happening in the political world through a comedic filter? Because it's just really hard to kind of comedically comment on any of that right now. Um unless there's really sharp commentary and it's coming from a place that's aware and that's conscious and that's actually trying to further some sort of perspective. But if they continue to have the sort of comedy that's like Michael Che's or like um, another example of what the uh, what Michael Che and, and Colin Jost, their Tinder gender identity joke from, I think, uh, the November episode, the Thanksgiving episode mm-hmm. of SNL, if they continue to do stuff like that, then I think we should be worried. Um, but another thing about that... Um, I guess we could talk about that that episode, that sketch. Yes. Um, so I think it was the 
Thanksgiving episode, which is interesting because I believe that's the same episode that had the sketch about um, going home for Thanksgiving and talking to your grandparents with um, Adele's Hello playing. Yes. And that actually had like a little bit of smart commentary about transgender people where, you know, uh, Kate McKinnon's like this ignorant grandma and and has something really ignorant to say about trans people. And then um, Jay Farrow and a couple people fire back with some like pretty smart commentary. But later in that episode, um, there's a weekend update skit where Michael Che and Colin Jost have a joke about Tinder and um, how they recently added 13 different gender identity options to the dating app, which is awesome. And I celebrated that on Twitter because it's just amazing news. Um, But their joke was, um, Colin Joe says, the dating app Tinder announced a new feature this week, which gives users 37 different gender identity options. It's called Why Democrats Lost the Election. Which, like, what is it? What is what even is that? Like, what even is that joke? Really stupid commentary. Like, just the dumbest, most... I mean, I don't know who I who wrote that. Can we fire them? Like, can we right? put them on on suspension? Because that, I mean, it infuriated a lot of people. It pissed me off. Um, mostly, I mean, it's pretty obvious why. But it's just like I found it really interesting that a lot of people called it out on um, on Twitter, including um, uh, the comedian Cole Escola and um, a member of the band Power Bottom, who's a gender nonconforming person. Um, called out Colin Jost and how obviously this tweet is just like so very unaware of how important gender identity options are in dating and how there is so much violence against trans people and gender nonconforming people on dating apps, um, which I could go into and that's a whole other thing. But um, the Power Bottom singer says, um, please don't trivialize our right to love. We're all so scared right now. Colin Jost responds on Twitter saying, in no way am I trying to. I'm on your side. I'm only trying to learn from this defeat and get stronger. A lot of politics is messaging and getting America on board. I want to examine how we failed that goal. But that's not like this joke isn't examining anything. It's just like a weak. It, it, it's not smart and trying to get an insightful perspective on the election at all. It's literally using trans people as a punchline, which happens so often. Um, and I don't even think Michael Che commented on it. I think Colin Jost was the only one that was sort of willing to respond, which is like semi-promising that he at least admits that he was like trying to do something regardless of whether he achieved it or not. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, I, I found that like really weird. And I remember watching that episode and that joke happening. And I thought like, I, I guess like the point is like, because liberals were so indecisive. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> and waffled so much, but that the implications of that are like that we're choosing our gender. Um, which is again, like a whole other conversation to have between like, I mean, because like that just opens a huge can of worms. I mean, that is not a conversation you have without nuance. Oh yeah. Like at all. And, and presenting not, that joke. Sorry, go ahead. I don't want to cut you off. We're, we're not in a place where we, I don't think we're just at a place yet where like making that joke is going to land with everybody the way that it should. Um, or that you should make a joke like that at all. I mean, like without, I don't know, like maybe there was like a better joke in there, but I don't think it it should have involved the trans community at all. I just don't know. I, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, that just pushes the conversation in such a bad direction because, I mean, that's something that should be so celebrated and talked about. And, and there's a way to find humor in that to sort of educate people. And a joke like that makes me so worried that the average audience member 
is is not going to take the time to really understand why that's an important milestone and then just use it as a joke and and sort of then like connect it somehow to liberals and, and Democrats that we're all just you know so confused we can't make up our mind. And honestly, I was watching um, that episode with my brother and he like laughed at that joke and like I kind of uncomfortably like giggled because I was like nervous and it was just like, oh shit, this was like the perfect opportunity for this to be like actually explained to some like to someone that is, you know, a cisgender straight white dude like my brother and like it went over his head and, you know, he's trying. But <laughs> but still, it's just like, gosh, it's such a it's just pisses me off that the platform as big as SNL like can actually comment on things that like are actually important now. And it's not just a matter of of PC culture and making sure that our pop culture is is, you know, PC friendly. It's like these things really matter right now, especially with everything that's happened in the last week it's just like we the comedy needs to sort of reflect these topics in a very like conscious way and be aware of what it's saying and hold their writers accountable um for whatever they say and uh, especially someone like what katie rich tweeted that i mean that affects one person and yes it's a commentary on like mental health but there's a way to like expand that conversation rather than just shut it down you know Oh, definitely. And I just think like, you know, I'm not saying SNL should should have ever condemned Michael Che um, or fired him. But I'm saying that if you're going to fire Katie Rich for making one joke, one one bad joke, uh, then why didn't you ever do anything about Michael Che? And my concern is also that now after the election, now that we're like officially in the Trump presidency, SNL is like. I don't know like what their approach is really, but I, I find it troubling that they're going to fire a writer over making a joke about Donald Trump's son while they continue to make fun of Donald Trump every week. And I wouldn't be surprised if at some point they satirized his son. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if that tweet was a, a sketch. Uh, a, a sketch. Yeah. A sketch. yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, like, I'm sure that they will. And it's it's so... At the same time, it's like, you know, they basically kind of endorsed the guy by having him on. I just don't know what their approach is. Like, okay, kids off limits, women okay. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know. And I, I also think, you know, there is, like you were saying, a way to have socially conscious comedy. And that doesn't mean like neutering it. I'm not calling for like censorship. I'm not calling for certain topics to be like off topic. Uh, or to be like, you know, off, off limits. Um, but I do think that there is a way to remain conscious about how your words sort of affect and influence and enable and empower and, and the way that your words affect other people. And, um, I think that you can still make jokes about all kinds of things. Um, it is for now a free country. So, <laughs> you know, do that. Emphasis on um, for now. For now. Uh, but yeah, I mean, like, there definitely should be, you know, some thought put into, like, you know, is this really a joke that I should make um, based on the context of the time? And I think that that was a bad time for that joke. I don't know that there ever will be a good time for that joke. You know, I don't know. I mean, like... <sighs> And you, I mean, also like you can't be responsible for the way that people are going to react to the things that you say or do. I'm very divided about a lot of these things. I find myself kind of like often seeing both sides of art and the way that it's interpreted. Um, I don't like, I don't like censorship. 
I think that we should make jokes about things that are often offensive. I think we should push buttons, but I also think that like, you know, a bad joke is a bad joke. Yeah. Especially, especially one that like hurts so many feelings, which also reminded me. So this past week I've been rewatching season five of girls um, before I start watching the new season. And it's just kind of like what I do every year. And I know last season was like kind of hit and miss for me, but there was one episode, I think it's like the second or third episode. I was watching it the other night and I don't know, I guess I had forgotten about this, but I remember it kind of rubbing me in a weird way, not necessarily in a really bad way, but I don't know. So they, I mean, did you watch last season? I didn't. I'm so behind. Okay. But you can spoil it for me. Okay, cool. Uh, Because I'd be really interested to get like your perspective on the way this joke goes down. So what it is. I think I know what you're talking about, but go ahead. Yeah. So what it is, is like, so Ray, Alex Carpassi's character, who is a total hunk in my mind, um, (laughs) he works at this coffee shop and a new coffee shop that's like really like hipstery opens across the street and they don't put coffee lids on their coffees so the customers from there come over to his coffee shop and steal his coffee lids so he goes over there to confront them over this injustice and like ray is one of those characters who is very like indignant and like morally upright and always fighting the good liberal fight i mean like he is like very politically involved and very uh he's like a very intellectual guy and he's very liberal i mean like so i think that kind of like sets this up in a more interesting way that when he goes to confront them, the register, there is a black man and there is a gender nonconforming employee. And when he refers to that employee as sir, they say, why did you think to call me sir? And they get very offended. And there's this whole like kind of like joke about how like the black guy, the register is just like, like, like basically he's like, excuse me, what did you just say to they? And it's this moment that I think could be offensive, but I think the joke is that, and I'm still trying to figure it out because I, I think the joke is that like Ray is so liberal that this is like normally not like he would never usually offend anyone. And in the whole situation, he's very flustered and trying to correct it. Um, but it's just like he just doesn't know how to process what's happening and he's really just trying to like confront them about this coffee cup issue and it's turned into this whole thing um yeah and i i think that like if you're going to sort of attempt to joke about anything in that realm i think the way to do it might be something along those lines which the basic joke is i think that like you know even the most liberal person can be really ignorant about other people and cultures I remember, yeah, I remember hearing about this episode, but I also remember kind of questioning it and like explain the context to me. I need to like go actually watch it, but <laughs> I don't, I wasn't sure if this was a, an aware part of the joke or if this was a lack of awareness on the writer's part. But when the other coffee person, uh, the other um, barista says, why did you, what, what do they say? Uh, why did you, why did you refer to, what did you call they? Is that, yeah, is that what it says? Yeah. Is that a part of the joke that they're not even using the correct pronoun? Cause you would say them. Is that like right. part? Yeah, that's. I think that's part of the joke is that like they're being like overly indignant, right? And very much trying to like detract from the issue at hand, which is coffee cups, right? Which so I think is like a little weird. too like I think that's would go over people's heads. Yeah, right. But like I think you and I watching it might be different. So that's why I was wondering like 
I would really like if you would watch that episode maybe and then tell me what you think of it. Me like rewatching it, I was like when the when the scene first started, I was like, oh, oh, this is going somewhere really bad. <laughs> and then I, then I the more I thought about it, I was like, oh, well, you know what? No, I think I get I get the point here is that they're distracting from the issue by accusing him of being like a bigot. And he's very confused and flustered and isn't handling it right because this is like, A, he's not normally that kind of, he's never that kind of person. He's a very like thoughtful, liberal, respectful person. And so it's like, he's like discombobulated. Mm -hmm. Mm. I I just worry that like someone like, like my mom would watch that episode and like not get it. And then like, she even doesn't even use pronouns. Like, well, for anyone listening, I use they and them pronouns, which is perpetually difficult for my mother. Um... But I feel like that is something that someone would see and be like, oh, like, okay, like, I'm liberal. Like, this is, I'm doing it right and, like, totally screw it up and not actually understand. So it's, like, I guess, like, pushing the needle a little bit with awareness, but it also kind of makes me worried that it's not right. totally but I think the maybe, point. though, not to tell you how to think or, like, how you should personally react to it, but I think for me, the way I kind of see it is that, like, it's not an outright offensive joke. And even if it might not be entirely clear what the point is, it gets a conversation going about what is and isn't funny about it and how people in the trans community might process that. And it gets me talking to you about like how you would feel about it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I haven't seen anything else like that on TV as far as discussions of pronouns and like reading people's genders and misgendering them. So I'm glad to see that they're, they actually did that. Right. Yeah. And I, th- I think, you know, you can make the, I think that's a good example of a way that you can attempt to make a joke about the trans community that isn't offensive as opposed to SNL, which is completely dismissing an entire community of people and using them as a punchline and kind of like blaming that for our election predicament. Like it's really like layered in how crappy it is. Um, and I think, you know, also uh, another show I know we both love, Transparent, has made some really great jokes. Yeah, I was literally just trying to think of transparent jokes. <laughs> Stop misgendering the ship. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes. It's so good. There we go. That's like brilliant. That is in the in the season finale of this last season, um, joking about how everyone's so concerned about misgendering the ship more so than misgendering uh, Mora. Like there. But the thing there's there's different there is it's like, I mean, I don't know who exactly wrote that joke, but it's coming from a writer's room that's full of trans and gender nonconforming people. And there's something about, you know, if you're making jokes about identity or race or minorities, and if, it, if it's coming from a writer who identifies from that background or is much more embedded and familiar with that community, like it's going to come from usually and hopefully a more insightful place than someone that's trying to like tap into that from the outside. So if there are jokes about that, and if SNL does want to make you know, have humor, then they need to have someone who's trans or gender nonconforming, like actually write that joke. Right. Which all comes back to inclusivity and creativity, um, which is something we've talked about a lot is like, you have to hire people from different backgrounds, different communities, different genders, different races. You have to be more inclusive in your creation of these things. Like when you have writer's rooms, when you have, um, you know, think tanks of people and you have like, you know, SNL like has 
whole stable of writers every year. And this past year, they diversified by bringing in younger staff members. I don't know that that's necessarily diversifying, but um, you would think, though, with younger staff members would come more social awareness. Uh, and that's not really that's not really the case. Yeah, I think now they need to just really diversify their writers more than ever. I mean, they're not they haven't really done well the last couple of years, but I mean, what no. they've only had. I, actually, I don't even like know who the whole full cast is right now. Are there that many people of color? <laughs> There's like three, maybe. Um, they, they've, they have several black cast members now. Um, they've done really well with that in the last several years. Um, but they still have yet to hire an Asian cast member. That's true. Which is weird. And they just hired their first female Hispanic cast member, Melissa Villasenor. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, but they still just like, there's still some things, there's still some boxes they have yet to check. And, uh. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do or what they should do. But I guess like this whole thing with Katie Rich, too, really bothered me because it's like on the heels of like this massive women's march that happened all over the world. Like and then you fire a female writer for making a political joke. Right. I mean, there's just such an opportunity there to for them to have a discussion or use that, maybe turn that into a sketch and like do something smart with it and like call it out. And twist it into a way that does use humor wisely, but to just straight up fire someone. I mean, I really wonder if something else happened that we don't know about because it just it seems a little sus that they just fired her like that. Yeah. I mean, like, were they looking for an excuse? Like, I don't know. You should have just fired her then not wait until, you know, she made a bad joke and then you fire her. I I don't know. I mean. It really bums me out. And it. I mean, it's not as if SNL doesn't have a history of, you know, sexist remarks or whatever. I mean, if you watch like classic episodes of Weekend Update with like Jane Curtin and Dan Aykroyd, um, you watch even like Dennis Miller or Norm MacDonald. Um, those guys did not have the most sterling reputation. Chevy Chase with like, they didn't have the most sterling reputation when it came to talking about women. Um, th- that was also a different time. Does it excuse it? No. But if you look at the context of the time, context is always very important. And at the time, like those kinds of things were you know, more forgivable. They were more pervasive. And, uh, that was just kind of the humor of the time. That's not where we are now though. So it's not as easy to justify it. Right. Yeah. I mean, the thing, it's just, things are so different right now that there just needs to be, you you can't justify it. There just needs to be a conversation and awareness, um, which kind of, I think could bring us to what happened with Jerry Seinfeld today. Yeah, and also we should take a moment to talk about Joss Whedon, but let's do Jerry first. Oh, yeah. Um, So Jerry tweeted recently about his, um, what is this, the new new episode of Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee um, featuring Louis Black, and the tweet says, Black's life matters. (laughs) Which is just a really bad, like, it's such a dad joke. It's like, you're better than that. Or even if you're not, don't. Just, yeah. It's just (laughs) so poor taste. I mean, it's not it's a different kind of offensive comedy in the sense of it's just like so unaware and using a platform as important and essential right now as black lives matter to like promote your TV show. Like dude, like the whitest comedian yeah. just used, I mean like, and it's funny in a way that I don't think he knows is funny, which kind of is very Jerry Seinfeld of him. But like, yeah, it's like, it's funny because he's like so unaware 
that he's the whitest dude ever who just made like the whitest joke by co-opting a black movement to promote his white TV show. Featuring a white guest. I know. Uh, It's hard for me to be mad at Jerry Seinfeld because of that, I guess, because I don't know. I mean, like ignorance is dangerous, but um, there was no ill will. You know, there, there was no malicious intent. Right. That is true. And it's, I mean, like, I don't know, I guess it's kind of also to be determined, like TBD, depending on how he responds to it, you know, will kind of dictate how I feel. If he's sort of unapologetic, which I can't imagine, then yeah, okay, Jerry Seinfeld, you're a jerk and you shouldn't have done that and screw you. But if he apologizes, like, yeah, I mean, it was not a very well thought out thing to do. I just, when people tweet things, obviously people don't think before they tweet, as we know, like as our president tweets, but like when you're... (laughs) I don't know. I just feel like I'm always thinking so heavily about things before I tweet them. It just amazes me when celebrities and and politicians just tweet like the dumbest shit ever. I I, I don't get it. I don't know. I filter myself sometimes, but like they are the ones that need to. Definitely. I mean, especially when you have like really big fan bases and often like diverse fan bases or even in the case of like a white comedian like Seinfeld who has a predominantly white fan base should be more careful about those kinds of things or at least be more aware of those kinds of things because then you're just sort of enabling your fan base to continue their like nebulous racism, you know, <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, yeah. And so, which kind of brings us to, to Joss Whedon who got in some trouble on Tuesday for posting an image of Ivanka Trump's husband, Jared Kushner and referring to him as a Voldemort in training uh, the tweet says, hey, keep your eyes on this. I'm just going to say, hey, keep your eyes on this fucking prize, too. He's a Voldemort in training. And unlike the Pekingese he married under, he can play the long game. A lot of people seem to think that the Pekingese he was referring to was Ivanka. The wording was a little unclear. Like, I wasn't even sure reading the tweet exactly what he was saying. Um, the Pekingese he married under. But, I mean, if you kind of read it again, it's like, oh, he's talking about Trump. He's referring to Donald Trump as a Pekingese. Mm. So then you kind of get it. Uh, But then people thought he was making fun of Ivanka Trump and calling her or basically comparing her to a dog. And I don't know. I mean, like, the tweet was so originally unclear. I mean, he later, like, clarified and he was like, I can't believe I have to clarify this. But Pekingese he married under referring to her dad. He married her under him. Like, uh, he had to clarify that. And it's, you know, it's, it's, um, it was unfortunate, I guess, that he had to clarify that. But I think it's also like a really good lesson in like making sure that your wording is clear, especially on Twitter, which is hard when you're limited by the character count. I, no, I like, I totally missed this story because I was at Sundance and in a bubble. So I'm just now caught, caught up on it. Um, but just someone that like has that many Twitter followers and that big of a name, like just, mm-hmm. I don't know, don't tweet something unless you have like a really good joke or if it like is clear, I just, or else it's just going to like spur all this controversy and blow up and like distract from things that are actually important and actually going on in the world. Like just what a waste of energy and time. It's not the first time he's gotten in trouble this year even back in January I mean and and the reason why this is all notable is Joss Whedon is and has been a very like a very um outspoken advocate for women and uh 
he he calls out sexism and and all kinds of things all the time and um so it's it's kind of just i mean like this is the guy who brought us buffy the vampire slayer and firefly sure. and dollhouse and you know he's like really like female driven properties that we love and then he does stuff like january 13th 2017 4 22 p.m after nicole kidman says that we should support trump because he's our president now which is whatever all right mom <laughs> which is like literally what my mom posted on facebook the other day and deleted because someone uh, unfriended her for it <laughs> god sorry mom she doesn't listen she doesn't care <laughs> So after Nicole Kidman says this dumb thing, whatever, I mean, which is her right to do, like, that's her opinion. Cool. I don't have to agree with it. Uh, Joss Whedon takes to Twitter to post a side-by-side photo of the Thunderbirds character, lady character, whose name I don't know because I never watched Thunderbirds, uh, next to a photo of Nicole Kidman seeming to imply that she is wooden-based. I don't know. It seems to be sort of commenting on her... Facial appearance, which many have speculated and criticized, you know, she's had plastic surgery, whatever, which is a whole other can of worms I am not opening right now. Um, the, the, the caption says, puppets for Trump, blunder turds or go. Which is like really dumb. It's just not even, I don't know, it's hard to be offended by it when it's so stupid. Did he like type this up in Photoshop and like yeah. put the energy into like make the split photo, get the fonts? Like th- that's... Come on, man. Or did he have some poor intern do it? <laughs> oh, gosh. Shaking their head the whole time. Like, really, Joss? Like, we can't go try to focus on making a Black Widow movie. We have to make fun of Nicole Kidman's face. <laughs> like, <laughs> But it was. It was like, it was kind of, it was disappointing from him because he has been such an advocate and ally. And so for him to make fun of, like, to do something as superficial as make fun of Nicole Kidman's appearance because she said we should support Trump, that just feels really petty and uh, really out of character for him. Like, I know the election and, and what's going on right now has us all on edge. Like, we're all more sensitive than usual. Um, yeah. And using humor, like, to whether or not he, whether or not you agree with someone, like, to criticize them based on their appearance, especially a woman, that's just, like, so beneath beneath everyone especially him for all that he's he's you know shown for feminism and and he's like his attempts that he's made yeah it's yeah it it does it feels like really petty and small-minded um i think you know there's perfectly there's there's perfectly good ways to talk about you know how we shouldn't be supporting someone who is very clearly a fascist um, that there is something different this time, that it's not as simple as saying, well, he's our president now. We should give him the respect that office deserves um, because we're seeing a lot of really bad, really evil history slowly repeat itself. Um, so, yeah, no, I mean, it, it is very different this time. But, I mean, like, you know, th- there's there's ways to talk about that without, you know, saying, like, well, you're wrong and you're stupid because you're face. Right. That's just like a childish, childish. like, that's what you say in, like, second grade to the girl you have a crush on or something. Yeah, you're ugly. (laughs) I mean, I don't know. I think if anything, whatever direction SNL goes in for the rest of the season is going to really be important and define how, you know, pop culture and comedy is going to, like, tackle the Trump administration and this next four years. And I, I hope that they, like, feel the pressure 
and that they know how important this is. Because, I mean, they did, like, a decent turnaround with Alec Baldwin's um, impersonations. But, I mean, at this point, I think they need to go deeper. Definitely. I think, you know, also distant civilizations from now are going to find this season of SNL. Um, and I say distant, distant civilizations because it's like we're going to all be nuked to hell and back <laughs> in the next, like, four years. Probably a lot less. Four is being generous. Um, and then what, what survives and eventually evolves into people again or some hopefully enlightened being will discover these tapes hidden away somewhere. and Someone's Hulu account left behind. Yeah. And, and they'll be able to see how, how exactly we handled this. Um, and yeah. is it going to be for better or worse? Like, you know, is it going to show that like we were not tolerating this bullshit or is it going to show that we were just kind of like passively joking about it and letting it happen? I don't know. I mean, like it's like, it's, it's pick a lane SNL. Like either you're like politically active in this and you're like participants and you're, you know, whatever, or, or you're not like either yeah. you're either you're staying out of the argument or you're actively participating in it. Like don't let teen Vogue be like the freaking political <laughs> I mean, like, how is it that like, we got to this point where, like, Cosmopolitan and Teen Vogue are, like... The Warriors. Yes. <laughs> it's amazing. I'm not complaining. I think it's awesome and incredible. I mean, we're seeing publications that never once took a political stance or endorsed candidates or condemned candidates before. We're seeing them speak out now. Teen Vogue. Yeah. It's huge. Twelve-year-old girls are reading te- and boys are reading Teen Vogue, and... uh and they're they're doing better than SNL. Well, hopefully Aziz Ansari can save it. He's hosting the next episode. I have faith no, in him. He hosted the last one. Oh, he is? No, wait. Oops. No, he hosted last week's. And I think the next host is Alec Baldwin. I think it might be like a really Trump-heavy episode. Oh, geez. Okay. Well, never mind. <laughs> oh, Kristen Stewart's hosting the next one. Oh. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kristen Stewart's hosting February 4th. Awesome. Sweet. Okay. Things are looking up. Yeah, hopefully. Hopefully. (laughs) Thanks for listening. For more of the latest movie and TV news, head to ScreenCrush.com. Follow us on Twitter at ScreenCrushNews, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Instagram and Snapchat at the username ScreenCrush.